Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Chat with Matt. Thank you for joining me. Another episode, another week. It's Tuesday. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, guys, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes. I appreciate your support. Um, today we caught up with Chris Walker. Now, for those that don't know Chris, you probably live in America. Now, Chris Walker played 14 years in the NRL. He started off at the Brisbane Broncos, went on to play for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, went on to play for the Roosters, Parramatta, Gold Coast Titans, finished overseas. He played in a couple grand finals. He went on to represent Queensland in state of origin. And, um, man, he was a speedster. He was a good player. We, uh, we had a good laugh on this one. He shared some stories, how the culture was back then. You know, Alfie Langer how good of a bloke he is. Um, he spoke a bit about Wayne Bennett, Craig Bellamy, the mental side of coaching, the mental side of playing, and then we spoke life after footy, yeah, what he went, what he was up to after footy and how important the mental side of being an athlete carried over to um, running your own business. So, yeah, man, had a good chat. He also sh- shared a story of the best day of his life, Rickardson's 30th birthday. Stay tuned for that one, guys. I, I honestly had a ball. He's such a humble dude and um, wish him all the very best. Now, guys, if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, podcast, please subscribe. Enjoy the show. Give me a share. Give me some love on Instagram. Go follow Chris. And, um, yeah, enjoy this one, guys. Peace. Easy, man. Now, Chris, thanks for joining me, man. No, thank you very much for having me on. Now, Chris, for those that don't know you, um, mate, Who's Chris Walker? Oh, mate. Uh, I mean, I come from uh, I come from Toowoomba, a little place out west of west of Brisbane. Um, I played 14 years in the NRL. Played for a number of clubs. Got into a number of uh, situations while I was playing at clubs. Um, I've got three brothers. Um, two of them, two two older brothers, also played in the NRL. So, um, yeah, my background is, is is rugby league. My dad played uh, professional rugby league. Uh, my uncle. On my mum's side, uh, played for the Queensland Reds in the rugby union. So, um, sports always been a massive part of my life, and that's generally who I am. And um, mate, living up here in the Gold Coast and, and really enjoying life, especially uh, with the chaos that's happening, uh, not only on our shores, um, everywhere around the world, uh, with the COVID nineteen, with the bush fire, bushfires, and also, you know, what we're experiencing overseas, and yeah, you know, the rallies that are happening here in Australia and, and across the world. Um, you know, supporting Black Lives Matter. So, mate, I, I, live, I live, a, live a good life up here and I uh, really appreciate it. It's crazy, man. Um, bro, just going back, man, when did you realise that footy was your thing? Oh, at a very, very young age. I mean, um, you know, I, like I said, my dad played uh, semi-professional rugby league in Brisbane. And um, so it's all, it was always a part of my life. Um, you know, we, we grew up outside of Toowoomba on some property, a uh, little bit of acreage. Um, you know, we, we grew up without a TV. So um, sport and rugby league was a, it, um, has always been a massive part of my life. And it's, um, it's something that I really enjoy. Good on you, man. Uh, I'm going I'm, I'm to move because I've, I've got some young kids coming over in the park, mate. So <laughs> no, that's cool. Right yeah, that's cool, man. Um, so w- what was training like for you back then, man? Did you find yourself, were you a natural man? Like in the gym, oh, or you had to be pushed. No, no, I was, um, mate. I was pretty blessed with with um, a lot of speed. Um, so, 
you know, when you when you got a lot of speed in a, in a game that um, if you do have speed, you've got an advantage over a, a lot of the players. Um, I, I wasn't the greatest trainer, um, to be to be fair. I, I mean, um, not as not as good as what my brothers were. They were very very fit. They were probably the fittest players in each club that they went to because they trained extre- extremely hard. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd always be in the top group of, of fitness at clubs, but I, you know, I wouldn't classify myself as to be the, you know, to be the best or, or second best trainer in the club. I mean, um, you know, football come pretty naturally to me. So uh, I wish I had worked harder, um, you know, when I was playing. Um, but, you know, I certainly achieved what I wanted to achieve. And you know, like I said, I played 14 years, 13 or 14 years in the NRL. I got to play... I got to represent uh, my state, got to repre- represent Queensland in 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 um, state of origin football. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something that that's something that I hold very dear to my heart. And uh, so, so you started at the Broncos, yeah, coming through as a kid. Yeah, I had um, I had the you know I was I was fortunate enough to to sign with the Broncos when I was fourteen. Um, my two older brothers Ben and Shane had, were already at the Broncos, so sort of my pathway into into that system. Um, was a lot smoother than some of the other kids that just come down and had no brothers and didn't really know anyone uh, in the top squad. I, I mean, I was, like I said, I was pretty fortunate to, you know, at 14 years of age, uh, my older brother Ben was 18 and he was playing first grade for the Broncos. So I, at 14 years of age and even younger, um, I, you know, I knew most of the first graders and, and, and the first graders sort of um, knew my name even before I got down there. So yeah, I was I was lucky enough to have Ben and Shay sort of um, forge a pathway um, into the Broncos um, a lot easier than what other kids that uh, other kids um, that played first grade at the club did. But I mean, um, yeah, I, I was very lucky. And you know, I started at the Broncos and was coached by Wayne Bennett, um, yes. who I still think is the best coach in the NRL. Um, yeah. you know, alongside him and Craig Bellamy, and Craig Bellamy was our assistant coach. So. Um, I was very fortunate to have those sort of uh, influences in my life, along with my, along with my brothers and, and and obviously my father Gary. What are they? What's what's uh, Bellamy like and uh, and Bennett man behind the scenes? He looks like a kind of um, you know quiet bloke, but will he? Rip yeah, in? I he's mean, not afraid to rip in, is he? The thing is, with they're, they're two very different coaches in a way. Like, um, you know, I've never seen, I've, you know, I've never ever seen Wayne Bennett. After a loss, um, you know, address his players like we've seen Craig Bellamy do. Uh, but yeah, each to their own. They're, they're very good at what they do. Wayne's a very good man manager. He he makes you believe that you can. Um, you know, he, he gives you so much self belief as a player, and that's something that I thrived on. I thrived on on that encouragement and that and that reassurance that what I was doing for the team um, was was good enough for the team and. And you know, I, was, I was lucky enough to play for the for Queensland under Wayne Bennett. Um, he was very actually Wayne was very good for me off the field as well because whatever I did off the field, I could tell Wayne. I felt like I had that trust that, and that's what Wayne does really well with his players. Also, he um, if if players do um, sort of toe the line and, and get themselves into trouble away from football, Wayne is is very much the man who will sit down, will talk to them, will address it with them. Um, he doesn't talk to you like a like a school principal when you are in trouble or a school teacher when you're in trouble because, I mean, a lot of the a lot of football players, um, you know, have a lot of trouble when they're going through when they're going through school and they get talked to uh, by the principal. They get talked to by the by the uh, by their teachers in a in a sort of not a condescending way but sort of talked down to. And Wayne never does that. I've never seen Wayne do it when when a player's 
um, ask for his assistance or ha- ask for help outside of football. Uh, and that's one, and that's that's the biggest strength that any coach can have. I think that they can uh, identify players' personalities, and that's what Wayne does really, really well. He can, he knows everyone's personalities from the from the junior most junior player in the team or, or person at the club to the most senior player at the club, and also he takes an interest in in players' lives outside of football, whether it be their families, uh, whether it be you know their their wives or their girlfriends, uh, what they're doing with their life, and that's you know. When you have a happy wife and a happy life, um, you know, your football sort of thrives off. You know, if everything's going good at, at home, um, you know, you'll perform out, out on the field. And that's what Wayne does. He just makes sure that, that everyone's looked after. Uh, Craig Bellamy's a lot like that as well. Um, but he, he's, he's a lot. He's, a, um, he's not a dictator. That's, that's probably not the expression that, I'm, that I want to use for Craig. But he, he's, he's, he's very assertive. Um, you know, you know, you know where you stand with Craig. You also know where you stand with Wayne too. Don't don't get me wrong, but it's in, it's in a different way. And once you're in that inner sanctum with Craig, also, um, yeah, he's, he can be very good for you. He, he, I've never seen a coach dissect the team as well as what Craig Bellamy does. Yeah. Um, and, and also too, he he gives you a lot of information on players that you're going to be playing against and marking. So, you know, you're well equipped and you and you've done your homework on the back of what Craig does. Uh, remember. Yeah, even when Craig was an assistant coach to Wayne Bennett, Wayne Bennett the Broncos, you'd walk past Bellyache's office and you know, it didn't matter what time of day it was, he was in there doing homework on opposition teams. He was doing homework on, on opposition players. He was also doing a lot of homework on improving his own players. Um, so he was always destined to be, um, you know, to be a first-grade coach and be a damn good one at it. It's crazy, man. Like, a lot of people don't realise, eh, with uh, how much goes into coaching. Even players, bro. Like, the shit you just have to do behind the scenes, they go, fuck, look how good it is. They're getting up there, but <laughs> all those pre Yeah. All the pre-season training, the, uh, the, the countless hours you do, you know, on opposition players, the countless hours you do on, on, on um, making yourself a better player. Um, you know, even, even um, you know, the pressures of first-grade players in amongst the community. Um, we see that every year, all the time. Um, and it doesn't matter what sport you're in. It's, you know, it could be soccer, it could be cricket, it could be AFL, um, you know, any prof- netball, any professional sport out there. They, you know, the, you know, the, the women's rugby union, the, the rugby, they're, they're, all these young players, these professional guys all have targets on their back because everyone sees them as role models. Now, I, I, I personally... I get the shit. I, it fucking does my head in when, you know, a player does something wrong or a sports person does something wrong and the media come out and say they're a role model. They're not role models. I, I think that the word and the term role model um, is used too loosely. I think that role models, um, I, I, I tell my kids that, that people just because they're on the TV or they're, or they're good at something in, you know, in a, in a chosen sport, they're not role models. Role models for me are, are parents, are role models for me are grandparents, role models for me are uncles, aunties, brothers and sisters, people that you know personally, because there's some of these players and some of these sports people that, you know, they haven't had their best upbringing. So I'm not going to tell them to be, I'm not going to tell my kids to look at them as role models. I think that that, that term for me, I, I don't use it around my kids. Um, I, I, I tell my kids to, you know, to enjoy what certain players can do on the field or, or what, or, or a person that they, um, enjoy watching in their chosen sport. I, I tell my kids to look at them and, and admire 
um, their skill. But I don't look at I tell I don't tell my kids to look at a player or look at a sports person and say they're role models because they're on a TV because they're on the idiot box that's sitting on the wall in my home. I tell I tell my kids that role models are, are people that they know, their grandparents, they're good people in their lives, they're role models, um, yeah. and yeah. and they don't need to be a person on TV just to be a role model. I think that that term. Um, I don't. I hate that term. It fucking it. It really pisses me off that oh, you know, these players are role models. They're not role models. Parents are role models. Yeah. You know, parents should be teaching their kids. Listen, monkey see, monkey do. Do what I do. Um, you know, if I'm a good role model and, and my kids look up to me, well, then I'm happy with that. I don't look at them and say, listen, just because you know Joe blows on the TV. Um, he has to be a role model because you don't know the upbringing that he's had. He might be a rat bag. Yeah. Um, you know, if they see a rat bag do something off the field, well, they're going to do it because they admire him. I just said admire what they do on, the, on, their, on their chosen sport, but don't look at them as a role model. And it's up to the parents, man. Kind of it is, mate. It is. It's, it's kind of telling it's, you it's, it's what the, to consume. It, it, it does. And, and it, it falls back on our shoulders. I've got three beautiful kids. Um, you know, even, you know, Everything that I teach them, I've been brought up with um, through my mum and dad and through my parents. Now, some kids, unfortunately, don't have parents as role models, but they certainly can look beyond um, yeah, their parents. They can look at an auntie. They can look at an uncle. They can look at a grandparents. They can look at one of their, their, their family friends who's, who's, who's well-grounded and use them as role models. Um, I, certainly don't, I certainly don't let my kids see people on TV and just because they're on TV, they're role models. It's a fucking shit term. Yeah, man. What man? What's some of the things that you struggle with when you were playing? Oh, man, I struggle. The biggest thing for me was my drinking. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I love having a drink, but I'm very bad at it. Unfortunately, yeah. um, I know that. Um, I've got into a lot of a lot of trouble outside of football. Um, you know, just being arrogant to to thinking that I can drink and thinking that I'm a great drunk, which I'm not, and I know that I'm not. And it's taken me forty years to realise that. Unfortunately, I wish I'd have known it when I was 18 or 19. Um, that, that's probably one of the... I don't have any regrets in my playing, um, you know, my playing credentials or my playing um, resume. I don't have any regrets in that, but I do have regrets that I drank um, and got myself into, you know, a hell of a lot of trouble. I did have a lot of fun yeah. um, doing it, but, um, yeah, there's, there's certain things that I wish that I could have changed um, through my football career. Yeah, man. I, I even remember, man, when I was um when when I used to go clubbing with mates and we'd see footy players out, you know, like Pierce, yep. Josh Reynolds, Matua, and you know, yep. mate, they just want to have a have fun, man. You got people harassing them, you know. End of the day, bro, you guys fucking work so hard. The last thing you just want yeah. is to go out and just have people fucking harass you, man. You know, like that's one. Yeah, thing. but uh, but that also comes with the territory too, you know. Like um, you kind of yeah. know you get it going out. You do, and and that's the thing. Like, but the thing is, you you, you embrace yourself because you know that that's going to happen when you go out. But unfortunately, when you have you know four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty beers, that that sort of uh, psychic goes out the window. You know, you you react a lot quicker to to certain things. Um, you, you don't make the right decisions. Um, that you would if you you know if you only had a, only had a handful of drinks or or you know light beer. Um, or not even drink at all. So, um, you know, there's, there's pros and cons. There's definitely pros and cons of being a football going out. Like, I I mean, the amount of fun things that I did when I was out and, you know, when I was, you know, when I was, wasn't 
intoxicated or, um, you know, running amok. Um, you know, there was, there was a hell of a lot of great times. There was more, there was 90% of the time was, was, was great on the, bo- on the drink with the boys and, and enjoying, and enjoying a good win out there with the boys or, you know, um, you know, enjoying a good achievement, achievement by one of the boys and get all going out and having a drink. But yeah, there was all, there's always, a, there's always going to be people out there that are going to try and have a go at you. Um, but you just, you know, I think the older you get, the more, um, tolerant you get with it. So yeah, the the beauty of it is with these young kids now. Not many of them do go out and have a uh, have a drink after the games because it's become so professional. The rugby league that you know when I when I first started playing football, you'd um, you know you'd you'd walk into the sheds after a win or a loss, and you know the manager of the football team would walk around and hand you a beer, um, and then you'd start drinking. And you probably yeah you probably wouldn't drink. You probably wouldn't pull up until six o'clock the next morning before you go to recovery. But now um, a lot of the players. Uh, a, a hell of a lot of players, yeah, they'll enjoy a beer after the game, but they weren't. They certainly won't take it to the levels that we used to take it, which is, which is good. I think it's really good for the young players. But um, yeah, there's certain there's some players out there that still like enjoy having a beer. But um, you know, I know with my little nephew Sammy Walker, he's at uh, he's at the Roosters. That yeah, you know, it's a lot more professional. And you know, as soon as players come off the field, they're already thinking about next week's game. They're already getting themselves ready for next week, next week's game. They're getting their body ready for next week's game. They're getting themselves into the routine for next week's game. Where, you know, back when I was playing, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, you'd start thinking about playing on the weekend. Where they're actually now starting to think about it as soon as they finish the, the next their first game. Yeah, man, I, I would have loved to get on the piss with Alfie Langer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I think that's where my upbringing came came about. Was, um, I started my junior days drinking with him at City Rowers, and um, you know he he was a gem, mate. He's um, there's I've never heard Elf talk bad about anyone, and that's a really good trait to have. And you know when when he used to get on the drink, um, mate, I, I used to I used to come home I used to come home after having a drink with him, and my cheeks would be sore because I'd be laughing so much, and my belly would be sore. So, uh, and and he had he had the he had the knack of when he was out at, at a pub. You knew you couldn't see Elfie because he was so small. He was head button. He was that small. He was head button the stools he was sitting on. But you could you could always know where Elf was because there was a crowd around him, and everyone was having a good time. And and that's you know that's the thing that that you know I you know that I miss now when I'm not playing football is is that camaraderie, is that that um, that brotherhood that you have when you are playing. And you know we see what's happening in the world today with these race riots and obviously COVID-19, but, you know, when you're, when you're a part of a team, you know, where there's white fellas, there's black fellas, there's everyone else in between, there's Asians in the team, you know, everyone gets along. Yeah. Um, and and that's, a, that's the beauty of sport. Um, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm not naive to know that there are some um, racial things happening, but it's more, it, it more comes from those spectators that don't have a brain um, than, you know, players on players. And, you know, it, Unfortunately, you know the world that we're living in now. You know whether it's casual racism between, you know, towards um, black people or even you know, casual racism towards white followers. It's it's unacceptable, and you know I've I've been guilty about it with with my um, you know with my friends that are indigenous or or of colour. Um, you know we have a go at each other, but unfortunately now you can't. And I, and I'm and I stand with that. I stand for that. You know it's. It's unfortunate how things how things are gone and, and how people are treated and 
you know, rugby, um, sport in general is a, is a pretty good leveler and it, and it does bring people together and that's what I really enjoy. And you know, we saw last week with the NRL coming back, um, you know, conversation, unfortunately, is still what's going on in, in, in America and, and, and also here in Australia. Um, but people are starting to talk about sport again and, and feeling like they're normal again. Yeah, it's good to see. I was actually watching a clip of Bernie Mac. He's a, he's a famous black comedian last week, man. And, um, man, some of the stuff he was saying, it's so funny, but you just think, like, fuck, if I were to say that these days, like, it's crazy yeah. to think how much shit's changed, man. Like, you kind of feel yeah. like you have to bite your tongue. Yeah, you do. Unfortunately, you do. And, um, you know, like, I grew up in Toowoomba, uh, heavily, there's a heavily, heavily Indigenous population up there. And I never, growing up, because my parents and my brothers, um, you know, we grew up to treat people with respect. We grew up to treat people the way that we wanted to be treated. Whether, you know, whether you're of colour, whether you're white, whether you're pink, whether you're blue, whether you're yellow. I don't, my mum and dad brought us up that way. And I, there's a, like I said, there's, in Toowoomba, there's a, there's a lot of Indigenous people. And I never had any dramas um, growing up with Indigenous people because I respected everyone. And I was taught to respect everyone. And I think that, Unfortunately, in the world that we live in, people don't live like that. But uh, and, and you know, I've never I've never been racially abused, um, you know, on a footy field. I, I've been I've been given a hard time about, um, yeah. you know, I've been I've been abused, and you know, I, I know that you know, I, being a white follower, I, I, I've been abused. I've been abused a thousand times on the footy field by by spectators, and I, I'm talking like really, really abused, like to the point where. If I if I didn't have thick skin, well then I'd probably be in a mental institution in, in a straitjacket. Um, but to be racially abused and 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 whatever that that is just not on. It's not on in my books, and it'll never be on in my family. Um, and I bring my kids up um, that way too because uh, man, I, I know too many. Um, you know, skin skin color for me is not an issue. It's it's it hasn't. I I look at everyone the same. And unfortunately, with what we're seeing at the moment, whether I don't know what it is, but I can. How do, I don't know where people get off. I don't know where people can, can um, you know, can be the way they are. It's it fucking does my head in, and you know what we're seeing in the world now can be pretty depressing. That's how come I very rarely um, watch anything in the in the mainstream media. Good man, I'm the same, eh? I wouldn't. Yeah, man, I'm I'm a gym owner, and I've got people texting me, telling me when. Like when the next announcement is for the for the gyms open, because I've got no idea, bro. I didn't even fucking watch it. <laughs> Every time you it's watch, it's the way it, to be. Yeah, there's some new story coming out. You know, who knows what to believe. Well, that's the thing. I was I, um, I was speaking to a lady today. I, I train usually train in the mornings, and I was speaking to a lady today that I knew, and she said, "You know what?" She said, "Ever since the COVID sort of um, news came out, she said I was, you know, I was." Um, I was watching it and, he, and she said, I just became so engulfed in it and, he, and it sort of, it took over my life. And I said, well, you know what I've done? I said, you know, I watched, I, I started watching the COVID stuff for about probably two or three weeks every day, sitting at home watching it going, what's going on? Like, this is, you know, we're doomsday. Like I was thinking I should build a bunker at the back of my place. Like that's, that's the sort of, that's the sort of things that they were sort of pumping into my head. And I'm like, no, that's it. So the best thing I did, well, I just turned it off. I, I turned it all off. I, I become... Um, null and void to what was going on in the world and I feel better after turning off the news and, and just living my life with my kids and under my house and you know, I sent my kids back to school straight away I didn't wait for the uh, for the uh, for the um, 
uh, regulations to lift. I just sent them to school because they, we're, we're all we're all pawns in the game. We're all. They, they, I think this is what I think. I think they dictate a lot of fear to us, so they can control us. Like everyone talks about, you know, you you inflict fear into someone, you can control someone better. And I, I'm I'm not one that's going to be controlled by by someone who's going to tell me that, you know, that this is a pandemic and yeah, we all should hide under our beds. Yeah, fuck, man. That's why mental health is just skyrocketed. Even the first day it came out, man, I put a post out and I go, fucking mental health. More people are going to die from mental health than this coronavirus. And that, and that's it. And and like I, I go through, I go through my walks, and I love it because I said to my missus all the time, I said, you know, I went into the beach today, and I said, everyone's supposed to be in lockdown. I said, but you know what? You know what the best thing is? I said, I walking along a massive big path along the beach. I've got to, I've got to duck and weave past people because there's so many people out here exercising. I said, I love it. I love that people are taking the initiative and getting out because at the end of the day, no one's, there's, I mean, I'm not going to say no one's died because I think we've had over a hundred deaths in Australia through coronavirus, but I don't know the stats, but I'd love to see how many people have taken their own lives due to, to the fear that, that people have inflicted on people in Australia and, and they've taken their own life um, through, through mental health. It, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's 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 just unfortunate the world that we're living in. It's it's bro, such a big thing, man. I was going to say, man. I was speaking to Tony Jeffries. He used to be an Olympian boxer, and yep. I think the same thing would happen with NRL players. Really, anyone, man, business owners. Like, all right, bro, you're playing for the Roosters. You know, for grand finals. You're playing for Queensland. You're up here, and then you retire, and you have to kind of start a new life, bro. What's that transition like for you, man? Because I think that'll fuck a lot of people up. If they don't, yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, it does, and I and I was I was lucky enough to to start a business when I when I was playing football as an exit strategy. I mean, it since went downhill when I retired. Like I had it going for about ten years. I didn't get paid about you know, millions and millions of dollars from these developers. So I've had I, I personally went bankrupt. I've gone, yeah, you know, I've gone under, um, and I, that's not that's not that that's a different story. But unfortunately for rugby league players and sports stars, they think that. They think that their lifespan in the in the game, yeah, you know, they're going to finish their, they're going to finish their career and they're going to finish and they're going to go out there and going to retire and live on the beach and never have to work again. Where, where the harsh reality is that you don't get paid like you do the NBA NBA stars or the NFL stars or the soccer players. Yeah. Like league players and union players don't get paid that sort of money unless you play you know in China or or or, or uh, France in, or Italy. In the in the in the rugby where they do earn a lot of money and they can potentially set themselves up to to retire, but I started a company, an earth moving company, um, as an exit strategy. So I didn't really have that chance to to have a lull because I finished. My, I, I ended up retiring halfway through 2011 and moved back to the Gold Coast um, when I was playing at Parramatta because my business was taking off and I was making more money per month than what I was a year playing football. So I, I, I took that, that natural progression into, into work. So I didn't have a chance to sit back and, and you know, miss the backslappers that most, most players do when they do retire. And then, you know, their players, they might be on three or 400,000 a year. They finish their contract and they retire. Halfway through, 2000, halfway through November, their last payment comes through. So they, they've got no income. So that, they've got to make that transition and try and find work to supplement what they've been on and there's not too many um, business or not too many jobs out there that players can go into that you're going to be on, you know, 400,000, $500,000 a year like they have been for 10 years. So yeah. that, 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 that becomes a mental, 
um, strain on players because you know, they've got bills to play, bills to pay. They've got mouths to feed. They've got families to look after. They've got mortgages to pay. So um, if you're not smart and you don't, you know, you you don't think about life after football. That that transition from from football into work life can be can be pretty punishing, and and you know can you know do a lot for mental health, and and that's where a lot of players do get caught up. Definitely, bro. You look like you're in a good spot now, but how are you doing with this? Oh, mate, I, and what are you up to these days? Oh, mate, I do, I do a little bit of commentary. Um, you know, for ABC Grandstand, I do a little bit of commentary for uh, Channel Nine and the Queensland Cup up here, or the Intra Super Cup. Um, a little bit of stuff for for Triple M too, also with the NRL. Um, so I just keep myself I just keep myself busy. Um, I live I live in a pretty good part of the world, so you know waking up to, to sunshine most days. Um, you know, three hundred sixty probably three hundred sixty days of the year. So um, you know, it's a pretty relaxed lifestyle up here in Queensland. And you know, like I said, I represented Queensland six times, so I love this state and I love the people in it. Awesome. Yeah, but I mean. Yeah, just trying to just trying to get back, get myself back on, on my feet. Um, you know, it, it's it's amazing when you do get when you do get knocked down in business. It's like it's like rugby league when you have a setback in rugby league, um, or have a setback in any sport as a professional sportsman. Um, those challenges to get back up on your feet um, are well worth it when you do. So I'm just sort of in that transition now where I'm I'm just trying to get myself back and. And um, as long as my family's happy, which they are, and happy with myself, which they are, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite content where I am. Good, man. How, bro, how much of it is mindset? Even when you're playing business, everything, bro? Everything. Everything's mindset. And, I mean, any, any advice I can give to you know, any person watching this podcast, podcast that think they want to start a business, I, I say go do it. Um, you know, throw caution to the wind. Um, put yourself out there because... I mean, if something does happen and, and something bad like uh, the situation I got myself into, um, yeah, it, it's about it's about rebuilding yourself and it's about um, you know you, you're you're on one path and if it doesn't work out, um, you know pick yourself up and go again because a lot of people that a lot a lot of people that that sort of criticise you for having a go and if, if it doesn't work, they're the ones that you don't worry about because they don't have the balls to do it. They don't have the balls to put themselves out there to, to start their own business and have a crack. Um, it's easy. It's easier to sit on the sidelines and throw stones. Give you, I'll give you the tip. The hard work is out there having a crack and putting yourself out there and, and, and getting yourself um, going to start a business. And I, I really enjoyed that part of my life. Um, and I really enjoyed the success of it as well. Awesome, Brad. It, it was another test for you. And, and that's it. Life, life throws, life throws you up so many tests. It's, it's how you respond. Um, and you know, if you if you got a good mentor that can help you through, you know, the early stages of starting a business and, and getting going, um, it's it, it's those sort of guys that have that have been there and done it and been successful. Some of them have fallen over. The most successful guys, some of the most successful guys that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, have fallen over a couple of times, but they're not deterred by it. They they pick themselves up and they go again and they, they throw caution to the wind um, yeah. and have a, real, have a real crack. And, I mean, that's what life's all about. You know, you, it's, it's one step after another. And if you fall over, you pick yourself up, dust yourself off and go again. Definitely, man. Man, one thing my mentor says, I'm mentored by Jason Phillips. He's, he's in America. But one thing he says is you've got to work on yourself internally because no matter where you go, if you go from making 20 bucks a week to 200000 he goes, 
if you're not that person on the inside, bro, it doesn't matter. When you're making 200,000, you've got that broke person's mentality, so you're just going to lose everything. You guys, you've got to That's build a- yourself first, and then you take you with you, no matter where you go, bro. And, and, and the thing is, what, 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 and what happened during my football career, and I mean, you can talk to, you can talk to all players that across all sports. Um, if you're out in the big stage, there's always, it's not nerves that you get, it's the fear of failure. Um, and it's the same thing with business. You can fear failure. You can, you can have that fear of failure, but that fear that's, that's, um, that's inside of you should drive you. And the fear of failure is actually a really, really good thing to have because what it does is it drives you to, to succeed. Because once you succeed and once you, get, once you finish your game and you look back and you go, you know what, that, that fear of failure drove me to make sure we won this game today. And it's the same thing with business. Fear of failure. Uh, should drive you to succeed, and that's yeah, that's what I do at the moment. And yeah, that's what's that's what's the that's the drive in my belly at the moment too. So um, yeah, also too, um, you can use I I use I use the knockers. And I use the guys that that are that are sitting on the sideline throwing stones at me, and I've done it my whole career to prove them wrong. And you know, yeah, you have you have the uh, you have the, the the knockers that that hit you up on Instagram all the time or Twitter or Facebook, but yeah, you, you just reply back with, you know, I, you know, I got to play one game of first grade, let alone fucking 13 years. So yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's an achievement that not many people can have. Yeah. Mate, there's a reason why they're in the grandstands. That's right. I remember, I remember Wayne Bennett saying to me one day when I was a kid, I said, you know, I said, geez, because, I, I mean, being out in the wing in the, in the centres, you're really close to the, you're close to the fans. And yeah. some, of the, <laughs> some of the things that used to be said to me, I mean, the one, one of the best, one of the best sledges I've ever had, and I actually got a little bit of a chuckle. I, I come out after half time, and I heard one of the spectators go, "Oh fuck!" Because I had a fucking terrible first half. And he goes, "Oh fuck!" He's come back for the second half. Walker's back on the second half. I look back, and it was one of my own spectators, and I was like, one of my own supporters, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" I must be playing bad if my own supporters are giving it to me. So, I mean, like 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 Wayne said to me, he goes, "When I was a young kid, I said, yeah, geez, I get, I cop it, you know." People, people are pretty, you know, pretty harsh. I said, geez, I cop it. He said, Chris, if you end up listening, with, listening to them, he said, you'll end up sitting with them in the, in the uh, grandstand. He said, just, he said, block it out. He said, you know, whatever they say to you, he said, if you listen to them and you take it to heart, he said, you'll end up sitting with them, which is really, which is really good advice. That's brilliant, man. I remember after the, I'm a Sharkies fan, man. So after the 26, oh, right. after the 2016 grand final, I was there and I was giving my miss a kiss. After you know, and then um, mate, some supporter drove past, and he goes, "Fucking leave your sister alone." The thing is, the you thing gotta, is, there's always there's always going to be the sledges, there's always going to be the knockers, and you and, gotta love it. <laughs> you, know, you, you do, and and you know what? Like they think that they they think that they get to you. This is the thing about this is the thing about the sledges and the and the guys that give it to you. They think that it gets to you, but what it does is actually drives you. Like. A lot of the players, I'm talking a lot of the players, and I'm, you know, 95% of the players that I talk to, they actually, because they're so strong in the mind and, they, and they've got the mindset that, you know, they'll, they'll do anything to, to succeed and they'll do anything to, to be, be successful, that a lot of the players, they, they thrive, off, they thrive off, the play, off the people that, that knock them. And, and, it's, and it's a really good energy to have. Like you can feed off, you can feed off the negativity, and you can turn that negativity in a, into a positive. Because I learned at, at a young age, I sort of, I sort of didn't, I didn't, because 
my head was so far up my ass anyway. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really listen to too many. And then, then there was a period in my life, period of about probably two seasons where, um, where it sort of got to me. And then that's when I spoke to Wayne and, and it sort of, with that conversation I had with Wayne, it sort of opened my eyes and made me clearer and, and it made me feed off that, that negativity. I turned that negativity into a positive. And when you can do that, and a lot of the players, like I said, they do that. So the, the, the guys that knock is actually a really good thing. A lot of players feed off that. That was huge, man. Now, just quickly, Chris, before we wrap it up, man, um, bro, what was one of the highlights of your career, bro? Was Sorry? It, highlights? Mate, was it one oh. mate, scoring in the grand final against the Doggies? Under the, under the oh, mate, that was, that was a highlight, but it was also a low light because we lost the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mate, I, heard, I heard that, I heard, um, I heard that um, my mate, Mini Anthony Medicello, did a uh, podcast the other day. He was telling stories about me saying that we're all doomed after uh, I woke up the day of the game when we were in camp and it was raining. And I looked at Mini and opened up the curtains. I looked at Mini and I said, mate, we're all doomed. He goes, why is that? And I said, it's because it's raining. He goes, yeah, but. What, what, what do you mean? I said, well, it was raining last year when we played Penrith and we got beaten. But I think he's, I think he's, I think he's injected a couple of steroids into that story because it's gotten bigger and bigger. But, um, <laughs> I, I mean, some of the highlight, I mean, you know, you talk, you talk about the 2004 grand final scoring. That was definitely a, a highlight. Um, obviously, 80 minutes later wasn't when we lost. Um, highlight for me, uh, the biggest highlight for me would be debuting. Um, for the Broncos, uh, round two, 1999, uh, uh, um, um, against the Sharks. We played the Sharks. We ended up getting beaten. Um, I, I ended up getting, I was 18th man before the game, or, yeah, that week. And my idol, Steve Renouf, he was still oh, playing for the Broncos. What about the he, he's, he's my all-time favourite player and will always be, my all-time favourite player. I love the bloke. Mate, I heard he was... A lot of people have told me how strong that bloke was. He didn't look it, but... See, the, see this is the thing about Pearl. At training, if there was a 100-metre race between the backs, Pearl would come last. Steve Renouf would come last. But put a football in his, in his hand, put him in a game situation, he would have flogged us by 10 metres. He... he I, oh man, he, he would have to. He was. He's the best centre that I've ever seen. He is. He is amazing. He was amazing. Anyway, long story short, I I got called into the into the into the Broncos. I was 18th man, and there was an injury cloud over Steve Renouf, and Steve Renouf pulled out two days before the game, and I got my debut, um, and I got the debut in the in the number three jersey that I've idolised since I was you know 10 year old when I was watching Steve Renouf carve up for the Brisbane Broncos. That was a um, that was a highlight of my highlight of my career. Um, also, another highlight of my career was obviously representing um, Queensland in, in the state of origin in two thousand one, getting my first debut uh, for Queensland. Um, but I'd, I'd say probably the biggest highlight was was getting to play um, professional, getting to play rugby league with my brothers in my backyard growing up, and then also sharing um, the NRL field with with um, you know two two or three of my two. Brothers, um, my little brother didn't get to play first grade, but sharing the field with um, Ben and Shane um, every game, I look back at that, and I, I probably should have cherished it more than what I what I did at the time. But certainly looking back and, and sharing that rugby league field with my two brothers, um, yeah, that's that's a massive highlight for me. Man, and what are the bros up to these days? 
Mate, they were coaching. Uh, they were coaching in the uh, Queensland Cup. They're very, very, very good coaches. So, I mean, you talk about rugby league coaches, and I, I mentioned Wayne Bennett. I mentioned Craig Bellamy. Now, you know, people watching this podcast will say, "Well, he's got to say that because um, they're his brothers." But Shane and Ben, um, mate, they they are students of the game. Um, they understand players. They're man managers. They're very knowledgeable with rugby league. They played, you know. 200 games each in the NRL. They played for they played for over 10 years in the NRL, and they're very, very, very good rugby league coaches. And I, I hope one day they get a chance to to break it into the NRL, especially now with the six again rule um, that has been implemented this year and the way that they play and the way that they coach. It would be unbelievable. I mean, Shane's got a successful um, first grade recruitment, which is a labour hire company, and Ben's got a very successful um, uh, real estate agent here on the Gold Coast. So. The the business owners themselves, and they you know they they manage a lot of people uh, within their organisation. So, yeah, you know, it's easy for them to manage you know, thirty or forty players within within a rugby league team. That's great, bro. Chris, have you got a quick yeah. story to finish? Oh, quick story. What kind of story do you want? Mate, you whatever. Want, um, whatever you got. <laughs> uh, probably one of my, one of my best days that I've had in my life was. Um, it was Luke Rickardson's thirtieth birthday party. Party we were playing, we were playing for um, for the Roosters, and I was. Um, oh, how mate, down. I'm sorry, sorry. I just had a person call me. Um, mate, it was Luke Rickardson's thirtieth birthday party, and um, there was me, Brett Finch, Anthony Minicello, Mick Crocker, and Todd Payton. We all lived in a house in Bondi, in a five-bedroom mansion. Magic called the house. And it was it was called the House of Grouse, <laughs> and if those if those walls could talk about the parties and the and the shenanigans that went on at that place was unbelievable. But but I'd say one of the best days I've ever had in my life was Luke Rickardson's thirtieth birthday party. It was on uh, Anthony Bell. He's a top accountant, probably the best accountant in Australia. It was on his boat on his yacht, and. Let's just say there was about fifteen blokes and about fifty girls, and the and the music and the and the alcohol was flowing. So, yeah, it was one of the best days I've ever had. And I was about twenty years, oh, twenty four years of age, and um, it was it was dead set something out of a uh, out of a um, music uh, video, like it was something like, like something that you'd see that Fifty Cent would have on on one of his film clips. It was it was unbelievable. It was. It was, it was like the boys had died and gone to heaven. It was. <laughs> um, I don't think words can explain the day that it was, and, and it went on forever and ever and ever. And it was, um, but it was. Oh, oh, the memories are coming back. So yeah, it was. If you if you could imagine what what could happen, everything happened. Yeah, I love it, mate. I reckon Rico would have been the Wolf of Wall Street with his champagne glass, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, mate. It was. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. It was. Yeah. Um, it was something that 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 only that. And only you can only imagine. So yeah, um, yeah it was great fun. It was, it was I was 24 and I, I'm, I'm 40 years of age now, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Awesome, bro! It must have been a good day and night. It was very good. It was very good. <laughs> Appreciate your time, bro. You're a fucking. No, just thank you very much, Blake. Man, you're a great player. Um, and it's good for you. Thank you very much for having me on. Chris, have you got anything to share with people? Where can they find you? What have you got going on? Um, yeah, I just got I've made. I've, I'm on social media. I'm Chris Walker on Instagram, Twitter, um, on Facebook. Mate, I just cruise, uh, do my own thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't take. I, I certainly don't take life um, too serious. So, um, but yeah, I just I just cruise, mate. It's it's um it's the way to be. 
Good on you, Chris. Chris, all the best, brother. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. See you, bro. Cheers. See you, bro.